Support for this podcast comes from Davis Malm. If you're a buyer, seller, investor, or lender, Davis Malm attorneys know each deal has unique needs and requirements. Building client relationships one transaction at a time. More at davismalm.com, D-A-V-I-S-M-A-L-M.com. Support for this podcast comes from the Peabody Essex Museum, presenting Our Time on Earth. Rediscover life on Earth through immersive artworks that reveal our incredible, irreplaceable natural world. On view now. Learn more at pem.org. WBUR Podcasts, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Comet. WBUR state politics reporter Walter Wuffman. Welcome back. Thank you, Daryl. It's a pretty short turnaround. Yeah, it was. I uh, <laughs> I missed you. <laughs> we missed you too, Walt. <laughs> Always a pleasure to have you. So uh, we are here today because the Boston Police Patrolmen's Association, which is the largest police union in the city, has a new contract with the city of Boston after 18 months of negotiations. Now, there's a few things in that contract that I am very curious to know about. But in case it's not clear to folks, explain to us why this contract is a big deal. So this contract applies to the Boston Police Patrolmen's Association, which is the union representing the vast majority of the rank and file of the Boston Police Department. So within that contract are things like pay, discipline, the overtime system, medical leave, how police details work, all these things that govern how officers are doing their job uh, in the city of Boston. Thank you for that, Walt. Now, I'm also interested to know what was the situation for this union before the contract was ratified. So the Boston Police Patrolmen's Association had been working without a contract since 2020. That's a few years. That's a pretty significant amount of time. So pressure was really building to get something done. The mayor, for years since she first campaigned, was pressing that there needed to be changes to discipline in the contract, that there needed to be changes to the detail system. And, you know, the union was pushing back on those things and also advocating for higher pay. It seemed that the two sides were very far apart for a really long time. Suddenly, within the last couple of weeks, the sides got back together, ironed out their differences, and were able to present this contract that both sides seem pretty happy with and that the union overwhelmingly ratified in a majority vote last week. Okay, now, my first question about this contract specifically, how much does this cost the city? Yes, yeah, so the total cost of the contract to the city over the five years is $82 million. Um, that's a 21% increase over the last contract. Uh, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It looks like the new minimum salary for a police officer by 2025, which is when the contract ends, is going to be about $90,000. Got it. And I mean, do you know if, if there were any like cost-cutting efforts anywhere? There are cost-cutting efforts. And so one of the things that Mayor Michelle Wu said was that she was not going to sign a new police contract if it did not contain significant reforms. And that means reforms to discipline, but also reforms to the overtime system, which we know through criminal cases and through reporting has been significantly abused. Mm -hmm. So one one of the ways they do this is through changing the medical leave system. So when they started the negotiations on this contract, something like 10% 
of the entire department was out on extended medical leave. That's hundreds of police officers who are being paid but are not working. Mm. So the new contract has this new language that allows the department to challenge uh, a medical leave status saying, you know, we, we think you are okay to come back to work. Um, they'll bring in an independent medical examiner who will have the final ruling. Mayor Wu at least says that this is going to bring a significant amount of officers back to work. Uh, that's something that remains to be seen. There's also um, a change to the detail system, which says you cannot start a new off-duty overtime detail until you've finished your first one, which was something that was happening. Mm. Officers being paid for due to two details at once, that mm. will not be allowed anymore. And and that's something that uh, the mayor says is going to cut down on the overtime budget. Understood. Okay, now let's get into some other details in this contract, because I understand there's a pretty big headline regarding police discipline. Talk to me about that. That's right. So the mayor says this for the first time puts language into the police contract around discipline and arbitration. And what that means is that if a police officer is fired, you know, because they found to have committed a crime like embezzlement or sexual assault, they historically have been able to challenge that firing through arbitration. So through uh, an independent state arbitrator who many times has sided with a police officer. So in the new contract, there's a list of offenses that say, you know, if a police officer has been found to have committed something like indecent assault and battery on a child under the age of 14, guilty of felony for hire, guilty of assault, intent to murder or maim. You know, if a, if a cop has been found to have done one of these things, either through a criminal indictment um, or through the police internal affairs process, they cannot get their job back through arbitration. That is the end of the road. Mm. You know, so so the mayor is saying this is a significant reform. She's counting this as a win. And this is a tangible change to the police contract. So Michelle Wu considers this a success. What exactly did she have to say? Yeah, she's she's marking this as a win. You know, she promised on the campaign trail. She has been promising during her first months um, in, you know, first year in office that she was going to get significant reforms through the police contract process. She's saying that's exactly what she did. Here she is speaking at that same press conference. For the first time, we collectively are delivering operational reforms evolving through this contract, which reflects much of the priorities that we all heard in the listening sessions with community and with our officers. So she points to the discipline language. She points to possible reforms that are going to cut down on overtime. Um, and she's also pointing to these reforms to the detail system. Um, you know, currently only Boston police officers can take traffic details. So, you know, if you can picture driving or walking around the city and you see an officer in a bright yellow vest who, you know, who's directing traffic around a construction site. Right now, only Boston police officers can do that. We are one of the only major cities in the United States where that is the case. And so when we're talking about details, the city has an interest in reforming that system because the city has identified it as a way to possibly save a lot of money and to, you know, give work to civilians. On the other side, the police union has been very protective of the system for a long time, because it is consistent, solid work for officers. It is a source of pay. It's a source of overtime pay. And they, for many, many years, have not wanted to give up their monopoly over the system. In this new contract, it sort of opens the door to civilian flaggers. So it says that if a Boston police officer is not available to take a detail, then it can go to a retired Boston police officer 
or a, a Boston housing authority officer or a local university or college officer. And then all the way at the end of the line, it says it can go to a contracted civilian employee. So it's not exactly clear just how much this opens it up to civilian flaggers, which was a priority for the mayor and for many advocates of police reform. Mm -hmm. But if that door was deadlocked and welded shut, at least now it's cracked open. We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with more from Walter Wuthman. So the city and the union considers this a success. But I'm curious to know, what do advocates for police reform have to say about this contract? It depends who you talk to. So I, I first I spoke with um, Detective Jeffrey Lopes, who's the president of the Massachusetts Association of Minority Law Enforcement Officers. Mm -hmm. He's a detective within the Boston Police Department. Um but the organization tends to be more progressive on uh, issues like discipline. They are very happy with this contract. And here's a little bit of what he told me. Every police officer should understand that they have to abide by the law and they have to live up to a higher standard and that there are people that are trusting us to protect them and to serve with integrity. But. You know, people who have been organizing in this space for a long time, you know, who really were active around those massive protests we saw after the police killing of, of George Floyd in 2020, they are not happy with this contract. They are not buying that this is significant reform. Mm. So I spoke with Fatima Ahmad, who's the executive director of the Muslim Justice League. They have published a really substantial analysis of the police contract that I would encourage anyone to read. But she really expressed a lot of disappointment about 
the lack of an avenue for a real civilian flagger system, here's some of what she told me. It's really difficult to trust the Wu administration when she has already reversed her stance on so many other policing issues. So, you know, why would we why would we trust that this is really going to happen in the near or or long term? And she also thinks that, you know, that discipline language is really the bare minimum. And if if you read through the list, it is the most egregious crimes you could think of. And it does not include, you know, the more routine stuff, which people were out on the streets calling for, you know, mm-hmm. like excessive force. So, Walt, you've covered police in Boston and the rest of the state. From where you're sitting, what does this contract and its supposed wins tell us about policing in our community? I think it shows that it's still really, really hard to reform these big, powerful, entrenched institutions, even when you are someone like Mayor Michelle Wu, who campaigned on it, who came in with a mandate and has been working at it for months. So, you know, I think the the mayor and her team have a really good point that these are real reforms, that is language that was not there before, um, that they think is needed. Mm-hmm. I also think the advocates who were out on the streets, who continue to be out on the streets, who follow the stuff every day, who talk to city councilors, who lobby at the state house, and who wanted, you know, much deeper reforms to the discipline system, to the overtime system, you know, and have a lot of concerns about this new contract. I I think they have valid points. So like any big negotiation, this contract is a compromise. Both sides got a little of what they wanted. And both sides, at least for the city and the union, seem to be walking away pretty happy for the advocate and activist community who are hoping for deeper reforms of the police department. I think It remains to be seen how the changes to discipline, how the changes to medical leave, how the changes to the detail system actually work out. Well, what happens next with this contract? So the membership of the Boston Police Patrolmen's Association overwhelmingly ratified this last week. So they have agreed to it. It now goes before the city council. They could take it up as early as this week um, or in the next session in the new year. But, you know, based on who's on the council and how they voted on the police budget, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is going to pass the council in its current form, that this will be the next contract uh, governing the Boston Police Department. Walt, thank you so much for coming through to the Common and talking to us about this. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. Hope to talk to you again soon, Daryl. That's WBUR state politics reporter Walter Wuthman. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you like what you're hearing, please head on over to wherever you listen to podcasts, especially Apple or Spotify. Rate and review us. Let us know how you're liking the show. We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow.